Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. We are again in the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 9. Um, that is Acts, A-C-T-S, not A-X-E. Um, it is in the New Testament, and we're going to be looking at chapter 9. Heidi and I have been blessed with what I would like to call a stupid fridge. You know, one of these fridges that's supposed to keep things cold, but doesn't always do it properly. One of these fridges where you go to take something out of it and you look at it and you go, should I eat that? Right? The carton of milk that's in there and and you're, you pour it out and it's just a little bit thicker than it's supposed to be. Nobody else, nobody else had that experience where you're pouring out the milk and it's just not exactly the right consistency and you're like, should I try to drink this? And you look at it and you're like, well, let's, let's, let's try it and you try it and then you spit it out and then you pour the whole carton out, right? Has anyone ever had that experience? Maybe? Okay, so, okay. So we have one of those fridges where sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It seems to be working right now. But there are these times where we have gone into the fridge and had that carton of milk and looked at it and thought, "Ah, I think it's too far gone. I think this is too far gone. I think this pizza has been in here too long and at the wrong temperature. I really want to eat this pizza, but you shouldn't, right? Because... Well, you know what happens if you eat it and it's too far gone. We've also been blessed with stupid cars. A couple, a few years ago, we actually had a, had a car and it was making a weird noise. And a weird enough, loud enough noise that I knew I needed to do something about it. So I was on my way home with the car thinking, okay, I'll get it home so it's, it's safe, it's at the house, it, and we can figure out what to do with it from there. And so I'm coming up, uh, up by the fire station at the lights, and I stop at the lights, and I stopped at the lights. And regardless of what I did, the thing was running, but it was not moving. It was just making a really loud, wonderful noise. And so I'm there at the lights, and I'm having to wave people past me because they don't know why I'm not going anywhere. I don't know why exactly I'm not going anywhere. And I'm sitting there and thinking, this car is a gift from Satan. (laughs) Oh, and I look, and I'm there, and I'm getting frustrated and worked up, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I'm in the middle of this traffic. I'm at these lights. I can't go anywhere. The car is not working. 
This is way beyond anything I'm able to deal with. What am I supposed to do with this? And it feels like this car is too far gone. It is totally a piece of junk. It is totally worthless. There is no hope for this. It is done. Sometimes we feel that way about ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we feel that way when we come to life and we come to faith. And we look at, we look at what this, this good news and we look at Jesus and we look at what, we're, what we really want to do with our lives. And we look, we look at all that and you think, I don't know if that's ever possible. I don't know if that's going to be possible for me. I don't know if I can ever make those changes. I don't know if I, if I can ever get rid of that stuff in my life or if I, can, if I can ever go through such a shift to change how I spend my money and how I, how I talk to people and what, what I do with my spare time and where I work and how I speak. And I don't, and I don't know if I, if I want any of that. I, don't, I just don't know if that's where I can go or if I'm able to do... I feel like I am too far gone to even start a journey of faith like that. I just don't know if I have the capacity to go through those changes, to want it enough. I'm too far gone to see those changes in my family and to have that freedom in my life. Sometimes we, we are on the right track, and we're on the right track for a while. And then something shifts, something breaks. You start, you start being tempted, and you start falling for the temptation. You start having questions and doubts. You start thinking about all your past sins, all your past issues, some of them known, some of them unknown. People know about them. Some people don't know about them. You think, I have messed up too much in my life. I have messed up too much, too many big mistakes, too many times. There is no coming back from that. That past has a hold on me and I am stuck there. I am too far gone to have any different path. What I have done in the past has determined where I am and is going to determine where I'm going, and that's that. It is too big. It has too much of a hold. You can't come back from those mistakes. You can't come back from the hurt that you've caused and the mistakes that you've made and the opportunities that you've lost and the opportunities that you've squandered and the people that you have just torn out of your life. You can't come back from that. And sometimes... We look at other people in our lives. And we look at them and we think, they're too far gone. Some of those people, you look at them and you think, boy, you're a piece of work. And you're just amazed at the... At, the evil that's in their lives and how blind they are and you look at them and you say, oh man, there's no way they're ever going to change. And other people you look at 
and you see where they are, and your heart breaks. Because they're your kid, or your sibling, or your parent, a friend, a co-worker, somebody that you care deeply about. And they're just going down this path. And they've been going down this path for a while and they've started making some mistakes that are having huge ripples. And you look at them and you start to feel, I don't know if there's any hope for them. I think they might be too far gone. Well, last week we talked about a guy named Saul. And we learned that Saul was there when a man named Stephen was sharing his faith in Jesus. And he stood there and gave his approval for when the mob killed Stephen for his faith. And we read that Saul was totally on board with it. He wasn't throwing the stones, but he was totally on board with it. He was engaged with it. He gave it his approval. And even though he was exposed to all the evidence of Jesus, he didn't follow. Well, his story picks up here in chapter 9. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues, the Jewish churches, in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way is what they called the followers of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard sound, but they didn't see anything. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord? Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a name from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument, chosen to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. 
I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. We know that the rest of the story continues and that Ananias goes to Saul and heals him. And Saul changes from being someone that was out to destroy anybody that followed Jesus to being a follower of Jesus himself. And not only that, he went and he studied and he learned and he ended up spreading the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus and his resurrection around the world. Actually, the majority of the New Testament books are written by this guy. And that tells me one very important thing. It tells me that God can use anybody. God can use anybody. My car. There was no way I was able to fix it. I had called around to a number of garages. They didn't do that work. It was too complicated of a job. It was going to have to be a month's waiting before you could get it in. It was going to be more costly than the car was worth. It was like the car was too far gone. It was probably too far gone for me to even pay somebody to do it. I called somebody else. They showed up at the lights. We managed to wheel the car into the parking lot of the fire station. The cops showed up and stopped traffic. That was terrifying. And then this guy got in the car, and he was able to make the car go, and he got it up to his shop. Then him and another man, I went and got parts. Him and this other man took my car apart, Fixed it, and I think we got another year out of it before I sold it. I'm pretty grateful to those guys. But it shows me that in my power, in my ability, it was totally too far gone. There was no way to do it. But in the hands of somebody that knew what they were doing and had the resources, it was not too far gone. There was hope. And in our lives, and in the lives of those around us, people are too far gone. We cannot change them. We cannot fix them. We cannot save them. But in the arms of Jesus, nobody is too far gone. God can use anybody. Listen. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you're addicted to. You're addicted to lying or stealing or cheating, being unfaithful, being angry, giving in to lust and hatred and bitterness. It doesn't matter. If God can save and change and use Saul... He can use you too. God can use anybody. 
It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made in the past. How many people you have hurt, how many people you've let down, how many people you have cut out of your life, how many people you have destroyed, the opportunities you've missed, the mistakes you've made. Your past does not have to determine your life and it does not have to determine your future anymore because God can use anybody. By all logic, Saul should not have been able to change and he should not have been welcomed back into the... He should not have been welcomed into the church and he should not have had influence to change the world. But God did it. God can use anybody. It doesn't matter if you've been a follower and you've fallen back into sin or you've, you've you, you started to doubt and question and wonder, is this for me? How do I fit? Is there any way for me to get out of this pit, this downward spiral of bad decisions that affect my family or affect my job, affect my finances, affect my home? God can use anybody. You look at the people around you, You look at the people around you. And we want to write some of those people off and say, no, they're, they're, they're like spoiled milk. You just got to dump them out. There's, there's no hope. God can use anybody. And we need to be a church and we need to be people who look at those who everybody else writes off we need to look at them with hope. And those loved ones in your life that you are terrified to think that they are too far gone and they're never going to come back and you feel like it is time to maybe give up. God can use anybody. There's hope for them too. So what that means for us is if you are here today and God is calling you to follow Him, you can feel that tug. And you're not sure if, if, you, can, if you can adapt to the changes, if you're willing to go through the changes, if you can buy into it, or, or you, you don't know if there's, there's so much junk from your past that's going to get in the way of it. God is calling you to follow Him, and God can use anybody. And so take that step and follow Him. If you're here and God is calling you to something big, you already are a follower and, and, and He's saying, no, get out of this mess or just take this extra step of obedience. I want you to change what you do with your money. I want you to change what you do for work. I want you to change where you live. I want to change how you deal with your family, how you talk to your family, what you do in your family, and what you do with your hobbies and your extra money. I want you to change all that. I want you to be a missionary. I want you to whatever it is. And you feel Him calling you to that extra step of obedience. And you feel like, I can't, I don't know, I don't have the capacity, I'm not worthy, I don't have enough resources. God can use anybody. So take that step of obedience and He will supply what is needed. As you look at those around you, and you want to write them off, 
Stop yourself. Look at them and say, God can use anyone and fill your heart with hope for them. Don't stop praying for them. There are some people that you're not going to invite real close to your life because they're, in, they're having bad effects. They're doing damage to your life. And you have to have them at a distance, but do not stop praying for them. Because God can use anybody. And those loved ones in your life, you feel like you've got to give up on. Don't give up. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. If God can save and use Saul, don't give up on the people in your life. God can use anybody. Keep praying. Don't give up. Follow Him. You and the people around you are not too far gone. In the right hands, there is always hope. And God can use anybody. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Thank you.